Yeah, babies are stupid. Hey guys, welcome to Divisive Issues. A comic book podcast where we interrupt each other. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan, look at me, I'm so funny. I'm Ryan Lynch. Um, Anyways. And I'm Josiano. And yeah, this is is another uh, super fun episode of Divisive Issues where we'll be looking at uh, the Draco and only the Draco tonight. We won't be recording anything else. Definitely nothing else. There's definitely not an episode that or a sex tape <laughs> or anything like that that Ryan feels uncomfortable about having as our main episode. Not uncomfortable. It's boring. Yeah, screw it. It'll you. be released as a bonus or something. We were talking yeah. about Ryan's life. Yeah, it was boring. <laughs> Man, I wish somebody would reboot Ryan's life. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> talking about Drake. Also, slides here. Hi. We didn't mention him. Okay. So we are talking the much requested Draco. Okay, Josiano. Well, Joe wanted to do it. Also, Zach wanted us to do it. Yeah. And he told us to do Grounded, so he knows. Okay. He knows his true shit out He there. knows his garbage. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to be reviewing the Draco, leaving out the best part of the Draco. No, I want you to summarize it at the end. It just doesn't matter here. Ugh, it matters to me. God. <laughs> uh, so this is Uncanny X-Men 429 to 434. And what is it about? Well... This is part of Chuck Austin's run, which we previously talked about in She Lives with Angels. So if you want to fucking hear about that shit, go fuck us. Yeah, so if you want more backstory about Chuck Austin's run, do that. We like Chuck Austin, but this is not his best work. But it has some good parts to it still. You are very positive to start this off. He's giving an honest opinion, even though we're not going to talk about the good parts of the book. No, we are, Joe! Damn it, he got me again! (laughs) That smirk (laughs) that you guys can't see, but you can feel it. Okay, so... This is where it's revealed who Nightcrawler's true parents are. Well, that was, a, that was an issue before. This is right after that. This is, there's a prelude issue of Mystique as a Baroness trying to conceive uh, with the Baron, but she's seduced by Azazel, um, and she gives birth to Nightcrawler, and that leads to the very famous scene you've seen somewhere here or another of Mystique giving up Nightcrawler as a baby. Oh, okay. Okay, so if you care about Nightcrawler's parents... I guess, or you really like. If you want to see Nightcrawler being conceived, uh, that option is available to you. We're (laughs) not. I'm still trying to pitch this book. Okay. So if you care about Nightcrawler's parents, or you really liked Azazel in X Men First Class, the red guy that looked just like Nightcrawler. This is not a good for either of those things, Ryan. Uh, I'm just saying that's what the book is. I wouldn't recommend you do it though. No. So, you guys ready to get into it? Are we gonna give our thoughts beforehand? Uh, This book sucks. I agree. This book's fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> this isn't the worst X story in the world. I when I I, re- I put the cover. This isn't the worst X story I've ever read. Okay, no, Josiano. <laughs> Raves Josiano. But here's the thing. I actually felt kind of the same way as Joe. Not that it's fine. I still think this book is bad. But when I read it, I was like, why does everyone tell us to do this book? This isn't like as offensively bad as like Grounded was. It does recon uh, Nightcrawler's origins. Yeah, I guess. And, which but, and, like, and also and in a really bullshit way because there's always this talk about Nightcrawler. He's like. Oh, even though he looks like a demon on the outside and inside is a pure heart. And I guess that's a part of the demon story too, but why fucking make him a demon baby? Spoilers. Um, also, there is... I don't know, why, why is Warren actually an angel? That's a good uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Why is Iceman actually an Iceman? <laughs> <laughs> there is actually one behind-the-scenes thing I want to talk about before we get this, very briefly. Uh, do you guys know how Nightcrawler was originally supposed to be conceived? By Chris yes. Claremont? I don't, actually. You don't? I don't think so. So, Mystique is Nightcrawler's mom. 
both in this original idea and mm-hmm. here. And what was the what was the character? Destiny. She has like the ability to see the future. She has the ability to see the future. She has no eyes. And her and Mystique were on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants together. And Destiny was much older and a woman. And Mystique had a very implied lesbian romance romance with her throughout the 70s and 80s, but that was before that was really a super common thing. Yes, yeah, so it was more implied. In it that. was more implied, and it was never explicitly stated, I don't think, at that era. And Chris Claremont originally wanted to have Mystique and Destiny be Nightcrawler's parents. Mystique being the father, basically. Mystique shape-shifting into a man to have a child with her lover. Which makes sense, honestly. I find fascinating and kind of love the idea a lot. Joe does not seem as no. That is that is fascinating. I'm just like man, that would have been so cutting edge at the time. Yeah, right. Like I feel like that has a lot of layers to it. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I don't ever want to envision that. But But you don't have to. I don't want to fantasize about that. I would rather. I I got a whole issue about Nightcrawler's. uh, Sorry, Nightcrawler's actual parentage during the storyline. I would want a whole issue of that as well. Um. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> Especially given at the time, it wouldn't have been explicitly shown because the early 80s didn't really have, like, raunchy... They don't have it now. You don't really have porn in comics now, Ryan. I guess. Not the comics I read. <laughs> those, what are those, Tijuana Bibles? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I thought that that was a really cool idea, and I wish that Marvel let Claremont do that. Yeah. But, but now we're left with this. So, okay. I, I don't know. I think this is this is probably objectively better. <laughs> I don't think you know what objectively means. <laughs> or better. <laughs> but it opens, speaking of weird, gross things I don't want to see, naked nightcrawlers sneaking around. Yep. So it cuts to the... It cuts. It's where it It's the opening scene, right? Yeah, opening scene. There's no cuts. <laughs> cuts from black to the scene. Cuts from recap page. <laughs> yeah. the Xavier, Smash cut. The Xavier the Institute for Higher Learning, home of the X-Men. Early morning hours. And someone in the X-Men... Either Cyclops or Iceman, because I can't tell the fucking difference. They look these very costumes. similar. These fucking Joe says they don't, but whatever. You guys are dumb. <laughs> we're dumb. You guys, you guys are both dumb, and you can't distinguish who the characters were in trouble either. He <laughs> Cyclops, Iceman has like fucking uh, sunglasses on. He wears like black trench coat all the time. Like if Cyclops and him are standing next to each other, it's not a black trench coat. It's a blue trench coat. Yeah, Superman also has blue hair, right, Joe? No. He always looks like that. That's how you when? highlight black in comics, Joe. That's dumb. I know that's yeah. how it always has been. So comics works, Joe. <laughs> so Cyclops or Iceman is walking down the hallway whistling like an inept guard in the middle of the night, and Nightcrawler naked sneaks past him, and he's just like he kind of... the X-Jet, I think. He's, yeah, he's mumbling to himself, and he steals the X-Jet. Also, Philip Tan does all the art, and uh, I think Philip Tan's art is awesome in this book. I... It's it's not terrible, but I do feel it goes overly detailed when he doesn't need to. There's a shot of a woman's butt, and it's like oh, I know exactly. He sculpts that ass like no one's business. I know exactly the pattern you're talking about. It's really it, weird. It's like the Flash's butt in, in like every comic. Yeah. So Nightcrawler is stealing the X Jet and holding his hands and screaming like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. <laughs> and Wolverine notices. Wolverine notices, and it's also there's these like weird X workers that I've never seen before that like run the cafeteria. I guess they're not bored. And they open the freezer and find that Iceman is, like, completely frozen through. And that's the only reason I even mention them. And then it cuts to Iceman telling the professor that he had a secondary mutation and he's basically turning completely into ice. Yes. So he's, like, getting extra icy, I guess. 
So at this point, they're talking about the second term mutation, and Iceman is like reserved, and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to open up. Yeah, Angel's like, you should have told me about this. And Iceman's like, it's my right to tell you what I want to tell you about my body. Yeah, well, and it's, like, it's really weird. Yeah, and then Wolverine bursts into the room. And he yells in all bold, anyone here send Kurt on a mission? Which, for some reason, that struck me as really weird. <laughs> Especially since Kurt was, like, naked going on the next jet. Yeah. And Professor goes, on a what? <laughs> like, that's the weird part no, of it. No, I think, like, this is Logan coming in from, like, a drunken stupor, like, the previous night. It's like, oh, hey, Kurt. And he's like, wait a second. Wait a minute. Did anyone send Kurt on a mission? On a what? I, it's basically Solid Snake. <laughs> I almost said Soiled Snack. <laughs> solid Snake is just like a sneaking mission. Metal Gear. A surveillance camera. <laughs> yeah. So, pr- the professor reveals... And now, I haven't read the In Between She Lies With Angels and this, mm-hmm. so I don't know if this is a long I'm not familiar with this. I think this is actually before She Lies With Angels. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So... Um, so the professor is saying that he's been following a lot of mutants that they're with Cerebro and they have been jumping like in space, getting closer and closer to a destination. So they're, because they're jumping, they must be teleporters and they're going in the same direction Kurt was headed. So he says they're either being mind controlled or for some, something is summoning these teleporters. And all I could picture when I was reading this is the island that all the turtles go to in Rocco's Modern Life. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I do. And it's like the, it's like the it's like a weird mating thing yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, and I'm just picturing which I guess in hindsight they kind of It's not wrong. They do kind of show up and try to mate with each other. Try to do something. So then he briefs the team that's going to go that they have to, you know, they're going to some island. They're all converging on this island. And what's the team? The team is Jubilee, Angel, Iceman, Havoc, Cyclops' brother, Cyclops' brother, Wolverine, and Husk. Husk was we talked main about character. her in Lies of the yeah. Yeah. yeah, breaking out the A-listers of this. Does team. Husk even like show up in the rest of his book? She shows up like, like every once in a while. I'm like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. I exist. Same thing with Jubilee. Jubilee doesn't say anything until like part three. I didn't realize Jubilee was in this. Me neither. I was, I was like, wait. Yeah, Jubilee's a part of the run, but she doesn't really do much in the run. But it was nice because it gave her a home and it kept her character from disappearing in yeah. the Morrison era. Yeah, but that, that's what happened to a lot of characters. No, that's what happened to a lot of X characters. So yeah. it was nice that you know she wasn't gone forever. Yeah. yeah like sure. we've seen a lot of we've all read a lot of X Men. There are a lot of status quos where once the new status quo comes into place. Yeah. Um, this character is just gone in limbo for like five years. But this run is by no means a definitive Jubilee run. No, no, yeah. she's literally just there. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Havoc mentions that it's actually an island that the X-Men had visited in a previous arc. Yeah, the uh, the Dr. Moreau Island. Yeah. Oh, it's Dr. Moreau Island? No. <laughs> it's a civilization of mutants that live on this island, and they were there, I guess, earlier in Chuck Austin's run. I don't they, know. Uh, Havoc and Polaris go on like this expedition. And he said they went they there with it. Nightcrawler, and yeah. he wonders if that's why Nightcrawler went with them. Yes. Polaris, by the way, is Magneto's daughter and has magnet powers. And yes. Is, is, is she Havoc's, has green hair. Yeah, and she has is Havoc's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And she's having a rough time at the at the point of the story. And I mean, former girlfriend, not like X Man ex girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, at this point, it cuts to someone who looks just like Nightcrawler, but with like um, Beavis and Butthead hair <laughs> in swim trunks, and it's Abyss. He's like a guy who has portals inside his body. Was he a character before this? He was like in uh, Age of Apocalypse, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember him. 
and Kurt lands, he's on a beach somewhere, and everyone's like, it's a mutant, run away, why is he just standing there drooling and looking out into the sea? And then Nightcrawler lands, and they just stare at each other for a couple panels, yeah. it's kind of Dreamily weird. Dreamily into each other's eyes. Yeah. And nobody says anything, and it's weird, and the sexual tension, it's like <laughs> Batman and Superman all over again. And now it cuts to Havoc and his, I guess, girlfriend at the time? So, at the start of Chuck Austin's run, Havoc is in a coma, um, and Annie is his nurse. She's um, a human. She is a human uh, with a mutant son. And part of the story is her coming, overcoming her prejudice for mutants because her son is a mutant. And Carter, knowing that her mom, uh, her son is uh, Carter, um, knowing that her son is lonely, um, Carter puts Annie and Havoc together in their dreams and has them fall in love with each other and puts them in really romantic so situations. So is that Carter's power? Uh, he's a telepath, Carter. Okay. So he has his mom and Havoc kind of meet up in dreams and fall in love with each other. While Havoc's still that, in a coma? Yeah, because he knows they're both in love. So Annie's like, I must be going crazy. I'm having, like, was it like Nightingale Syndrome where you fall in love with your patient? Okay. Um, and then there's a whole thing where Polaris wants to marry Havoc, uh, but Havoc loves Annie. Um, and there's a whole wedding issue where things go awry. Long, long story short, Annie and Havoc are together. together. We mentioned in the last part that uh, Marvel told Chuck Austin to write Soapy and the Annie ha- Polaris Havoc stuff is probably the Absolutely. Most Soapy. Now, so the reason why I actually wanted to go into this kind of detail about it is because this actually comes up a lot in this book. Is Polaris a bad guy at this point? She's kind of a, uh, mentally She's unstable. had a nervous breakdown yeah. as, she... as you'll see in this. Uh, she goes crazy at the wedding Yeah. So when Havoc someone... leaves her at the altar. Okay. Like like most of Magneto's children like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch they have a habit of going crazy and doing evil things. Yeah. She has a nervous breakdown at the wedding she like knocks out She people. was possessed by somebody for like a decade yeah yeah uh at the wedding she also makes herself a magneto helmet and is like i'm gonna go murder annie we yeah mentioned, we mentioned... they mentioned this a couple yeah. times and she's like i'm a homicidal maniac yeah. and the professor's like oh polaris Don't understand this is right after they find her <laughs> this she comes to this book right after they find her in genosha during uh, grant morrison's so she's the sole survivor of a mutant genocide yeah but so, like she's crazy but yeah. like polaris is uh, like we mentioned uh jubilee being a character and uh they're just hanging around, and some characters, when they're not hanging around, they disappear forever. But uh, some characters, like Polaris, they're characters that no one really knows what to do with. And for, like Ryan mentioned, she was a, she was possessed for like a decade. Yeah. And like a Polaris and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, they're characters no one knows has the rights, so usually they are evil. And I just, so this scene of Annie and Havoc together, Havoc's going to go on this mission with Nightcrawler, he's telling Annie about it, and Polaris comes in, and she's like, I want to come, oh, by the way, like, me and Havoc used to bump nasties, and, like, that, does that make you feel weird, Annie? Ryan's just not exaggerating, like, she's very, like, oh, yeah, me and, me and Havoc, we fucked every night. Baby. Yeah, and at one point, um, he's, Professor X says he's going to probe Polaris's mind to see, to make sure that she's not evil or whatever, yeah. and... She, he's like, I'd like to do it in your doctor's office, if you don't mind, Annie. And Polaris goes, why should she mind, Professor? Just because I tried to kill her and that precious little child? I mean, really, come on. If she's going to hang out with the X-Men, she should get used to that. What? She's what? not wrong. But she's... why would they? <laughs> why would she not be like in a cell or something? Yeah. Why are they letting her walk around when she's obviously like a psychopath? Because yeah. she's an X-Man. Professor X is like, oh, you. Rehab her. But like, that's... Professor X has taken a lot worse than her, Ryan. But, like, when he took in Sabretooth, he left him in a fucking cell. Yeah, like, yeah. like she's, like, actively going around saying, ah, I tried to kill you, ha Like, she's, she's like, very evil. So then, after they decide that they're going to look into Polaris' mind, 
Uh, it cuts to a big fight between Professor X and the Juggernaut that Joe's going to recap at the end of the episode. It's did really you, did good. You like, did you like that scene? Yes. It's really, it's a really, this whole, Juggernaut's whole plot and story is really good, yeah. but it has nothing to do with the main plot. The reason why we're saving it to the end is because it's actually... The reason why we're, we're removing Joe Siano's favorite part of this book. We're not removing it. We're cropping it to the end. Yeah. Because it's... Save really, it best for last, Joe. It has nothing to do with the main arc, <laughs> but it is pretty good, and I want Joe to be able to run through the whole thing in one shot and not be interrupted by this bullshit story. <laughs> I think that's fair. I want story time with Joe. <laughs> and I'd rather story time not end with, like, uh, be interrupted by these weird, like, Nightcrawler sex things. So then it cuts back to the island, and the X-Men are watch the island that Nightcrawler went to, and they're watching this, like, tribal seance of some kind with Nightcrawler and all other people that look just like Nightcrawler. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of, like, demons show up. One guy that I thought was Sabretooth for a while is there... <laughs> Basically, a big buff guy with claws, a guy with dark angel wings, a nightcrawler with wings, who's a woman, and a red nightcrawler with more with uh, more crazy beavers and butthead hair and a goatee, and they just show up in like a big puff of fire. Yeah. End of issue one. So nothing's really happened too crazy yet. No big yeah. reveals. Just Polaris being a piece of shit. Yeah. Polaris just really not happy. Yeah. And really having a tough time. So now, issue two. More Juggernaut stuff. We'll save that for the end. <laughs> then it cuts to Professor X and Annie are about to enter Polaris's mind. Annie's son is not in class. Mm-hmm. He's, he went away with Havoc. He went yeah. on the mission with Havoc. He snuck into the plane. And then, so they're about to enter Polaris's mind. And Annie says, I want to come with you. Or Polaris asks her to come with her. I, you have the book in front of you. Yeah. You ask who. Polaris asks Annie, come with me. You're a doctor. Maybe you can help with my mind. And well, they, I, don't, I don't think she's just a physician. Yeah, that's not how that's yeah. not how it works. No, she's troll. She's been trolling her this. Yeah, like, she's the basically start. egging yeah. her on. Like I'm a yeah. member of the team. Havoc loved me. Who are you? You're just some human. So they enter her mind. They enter her mind, and of course she's thinking of a Havoc. Uh, Polaris sex scene. And so, it, so it's like Polaris like talking to them while she's having sex yeah. with Havoc. Like, and, and, oh yeah, you like this? Yeah. I like Sandy? Oh yeah, he's fucking me so hard, man. Yeah. She's like, she's pretty much just like trolling them. She's in, really like, her trolling. Let's like, just imagine like this, this fucking scene. Like Professor X is there. Like imagine Patrick Stewart in, in like an X Men movie, like watching just two people just bone down their mind. Yeah. And the I'm thing really upset it wasn't adapted for X Four. <laughs> The thing that makes it so good is Annie is drawn. She's supposed to be really uncomfortable, but she's actually making the dad ass face where she's biting her lower lip. And she's just like, oh, yeah. So I'd like to think that much. I'd like to think she took a page out of Mark Millar's book. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. And so then cut back to the X-Men. And now all those like demons that say showed up. What's going on in this page? There's, are they all in like a big ball? It's a pile. It's a pile, but it's like ten million people in this yeah, pile. Yeah, it's, it's, a pile. It's, it's like a Kamari Damashi like pick <laughs> up a million people. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And then the X Men are like, let's go fight this Katamari ball. And this is when Carter's found out that there's like archaeologists behind them or something, and they're like, hey, he's you got this stupid kid. Kind of ignoring the fact that there's this giant ball of flaming people around. Yeah. Apparently nothing out of the ordinary here on this on Doctor Moreau's island. Yeah, they go deeper into Polaris's mind. Back, and back I, at the X Mansion. Yeah, back at the X Mansion. There's a lot of cuts. All right, for the record, any time for the until we see it otherwise, um, Polaris and Annie and Professor X are at the X Mansion. Yes, because it cuts um, like every yeah. two pages. Yeah. yeah. 
So they go deeper into Polaris's mind, and she looks a lot. She's in her older costume, and she looks a lot less angry and trolly. And she starts to describe her backstory before she went crazy. Yeah. Where even though Marvel had said that she wasn't Magneto's daughter, she didn't believe it. So she was doing some blood work to. When prove Marvel when said. Marvel editorial said she wasn't Magneto's daughter. Yeah, but that's not in the story where, where Polaris is like Marvel editorial said it yeah. wasn't her daughter. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking mandated to be Magneto's daughter. But Mag- but Polaris and like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch have weird histories where Marvel decides randomly when and when they are not Magneto's children. Yeah. Currently, yeah. Polaris is his daughter. But Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are not. Yes. So then, meanwhile, cuts back to the island. Now, those demon guys that showed up aren't anywhere to be seen. They showed up at the end of the last page. So the demon guys show up at the beginning, and then it just cuts to, like, the big ball. Like, they're they're not in issue two at all. And then, so the X-Men are going to run towards it. Bobby Iceman gets totally shattered by an exploding arrow into a big pile of ice. So seemingly killed. And then they all go run in to try to pull Nightcrawler out of it. There's like a big fight. The demons are just fighting, fighting, fighting. And then there's a big, giant explosion. And all of the demon guys and the X-Men disappear. And there's just a big crater left. That's basically all that happens. It's quite a cliffhanger right there. Yeah. So, Character issue three. Yeah, so there's a big cliffhanger of a, cl- of a crater. And that ends issue four. More like a crater hanger. Crater hang. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a round cliff. Yeah. Whatever. So... Issue 3 opens with Polaris recapping the genocide we were talking about, about how when she arrived... Gen- Genosha shows like this uh, mutant paradise set up by Magneto, yeah. and then Sendos came and killed everyone. There's more to it than that, but I guess it's a pretty much summary. Yeah, so she knew that Magneto was her father at this point, the blood test proved it, and she went to Genosha to confront him, but he had already told the people, and when she got there, they worshipped her. Cause he she, was got, like, she got the hero's welcome. Yeah, she got the hero's welcome, and when she got there... The Sentinels came and wiped everyone out, and she said they worshipped me as they died. Which is actually, for our, just, you know, for I'd say that's a pretty powerful page. I yeah. think that's a really cool idea. No, I think a lot of Polaris' story actually has a lot of really powerful moments. Yeah. The flashback stuff. Yeah. The current stuff, she's a monster, and she's insufferable. Oh, she has post-traumatic stress, and the love of her life just left her at I the I just altar. can't believe that they, like, let her be like, I'm gonna murder all of your kids. Especially since she never acts like this, like, any other story. Yeah. That, which yeah, not... she doesn't, but, like, and they, they get back together, like, in future stories. Yeah, Polaris it's, it's, it's just a weird... Really this is a weird point in history of her character. No, she had a mental breakdown. Uh, I think they give good justification for No, I'm her not saying breakdown. she shouldn't have had the breakdown. I'm yeah. saying it's weird how aloof everyone else is about yeah. it. Because she's, yeah. like, homicidal. Yeah, she's not She's not doing great. <laughs> <laughs> so now it cuts back to the X-Men, and they're on some, like, weird place. We don't know where it is. It looks like a hellish landscape. And Nightcrawler says that he his hand is melted to some dead guy. Yeah, and then someone takes out a sword and cuts his hand off. Never mentioned again, he's got regular hands. I don't fucking remember that at all. Yeah, my hand is melted to this poor fellow, and someone's going to take out a sword later on, and he goes... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, cuts it away, and he's He's like a stump. He's like a stump, but he's fine. Don't worry about it. I forgot about that. So this is when Azazel makes his appearance. He says he was being... He was summoned. Yeah. And, uh, no, he said, when I summoned Nightcrawler here, I should have expected his X-Men posse or whatever. His entourage. His entourage. His concierge. Yeah. (laughs) And he 
So Angel's here, and he takes point on this, and he's like, let me handle this. And he starts speaking, and then Azazel's like, we haven't seen someone like you in a long time. And then the the winged Nightcrawler shows up and yells, death to all angels. When do they reveal? They reveal later on about why they hate angels. It's like an uncomfortably long amount okay, of time. Okay, all right. Later. There, I think during the archaeology story, they reveal that there was... Um... I mentioned this early, earlier, and uh, by earlier I mean weeks ago, in the uh, um, Shelly's Angels episode, how people who are with wings are thought to be the mythical angels, and people mm-hmm. who teleport and look like demons are supposed to be like the devils of that. So there's and like a been, rivalry. Yes. So there's there's a pre-established rivalry. Okay. So it cuts back to Polaris at the X Mansion. And it shows her using her magnetic powers to save herself while everyone died around her. And she's basically saying, like, they couldn't harm me, but all their screams got through my shield. And, like, that's one of the things that led to her big breakdown. And she says, you know, this is when they come back to the present day of Annie and Professor X and... Lorna Polaris are all crying and she's like that's the breakthrough I needed I just wanted someone to love and make me forget all these things I'm gonna be better now I promise so she stops being like kind of an asshole I guess right hopefully and then the whole rest of the issue I think is just a fight between angels and demons yeah and Azazel is trying to stop this fight so Azazel keeps saying stop 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 and then he yells like the dramatic I said stop and the angels and demons stop fighting and then it cuts back to Abyss, and they're asking about his powers, and what he does is his chest opens into a teleporter, and you could put things in it. Basically, like Hermione's bag of holding. Yeah. So this is his body. Except it's his body. And, and then his seat just pops out. And they're like, where does it go? And he's like, I don't know. And Jubilee's like, is it far away? And he's like, well, it's not here, so I guess. So they he wants Jubilee wants him to suck up angels, which seems like a weird thing, or suck up demons, suck up somebody. <laughs> And he opens it up, and all of a sudden, a puppy and a skateboard shoots out, and he goes, nothing's ever come out before, and then Mystique climbs out. And she's very casual about it, like, oh, hey, guys. Yeah, he's like, look what else came out. It's Mystique! And she's like, don't pretend you're not happy to see me. It's like it's a sitcom, and like you hear like the laugh track when she comes in, and like she's crawling out of his body. Yeah. yeah it's very bizarre. She's Kramering it. She's Kramering it. She slides into the room. <laughs> so that's issue three. Man, we are flying through this story. <laughs> Am I missing anything? Uh, There's not, not a lot of content, no. right? Okay. One thing I would like to point out, the covers are all full-page covers of one character from the team, and it has nothing to do with the issue. Like, Juggernaut is on issue two, and he's in, like, two pages of it. He's not in issue two. I think he is. No, he's, he's not in issue two. He's, he's not at all? He's not in issue two. I, I guarantee you. I, I guarantee you, okay. I, I was looking out for him when I was reading it. Okay. This is from an era when uh, Marvel were, like, going for, like, poster-like covers where you could just, like, a new reader would just, see, uh, hey, Psychops on the cover, want to read Psychops, and you pick it up, rather than the old-style covers where they try to hint at the story, saying, oh, oh, no, Batman's trying to kill Superman. How, well, how does this happen? But uh, this era was a kind of a transition to the modern era where you more, have more design to your covers rather than just... Uh, a, pr- a sneak peek at the plot. Yeah, but, like, uh, it was... It's an awkward face because a lot of times the covers had absolutely nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. So, like, if you were picking up issue four because Husk is on the cover and she you does love Generation X, she's like, I don't even remember if she's in this issue. I think she is, but, like, in the background. And for the record, you guys are right. Juggernaut's in that issue, but the Juggernaut plot is in that issue. Like, the you see Sammy and all that stuff. Oh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. That's why I misremembered. Yeah. But, yeah, you guys are right. Okay, so 
it cuts back and they're fighting again. <laughs> the angels and demons, even though they're supposed to when stop. Mystique came out, so now uh, they have to fight again. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the cliff- gets Mystique. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the cliffhangers at the end of the issues don't le- like. It's almost like the next issues start before that thing happened. That's a, yeah. So previously, it's actually it's like previously on X Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A recap in the recap. Seriously, boom. On X Men. <laughs> so now Azazel is saying that he's trying to. He can't open the portal yet to go to Earth. And this is when he reveals that he is. Uh, he wants everyone to come to his dinner where he's going to give a big speech where he's going to make the reveal. Speech. 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 And the demons there. Do the, do the demons even matter? Do they do anything? They fight. The angel sometimes. That's it, right? Like they just keep fighting Angel. Yeah. They're there's Azel's posse. Yeah. You'll never see them again after this story. But okay, so now we have Azazel at a big like king castle, like King Arthur kind of table. And he says that there's a woman here who can see through all lies, so therefore they must trust him that everything's true. But like she works for him. Why do they believe her? Because he's their host, and he's giving them dinner, and you know he's telling them not to fight. You know he's, he seems he seems trustworthy with his big ball of children. Yeah. So do you? Oh, those are all his children, by the way. Like going that. Ball. Oh yeah, all night, yeah. All night yeah. looking people. This is when he gives the yeah. speech. Azazel's yeah. a demon, yeah. a real demon. And so this is where he also yeah. reveals that he is Satan, the yeah. literal Christian Satan. Yeah. yeah. So like, what's the fucking point of making Nightcrawler demon spawn? Ah. Uh. Like why? Puts his religious, you know, test of the faith. But it like, does uh, put it, it. They could tell an interesting story really about bring, his Catholicism. They don't, they don't really bring it up. They don't bring it up at all. So this so. is where they bring up that like his stepmom, uh, the the gypsy that raised him, also had sex with Azazel. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my God, fuck this. Azazel was his, his grand plan that he's like, I'm gonna go get busy. Like, all in the earth to like make all these spawn. Basically, this is what he says. To have all these babies who will open a portal to. This is his big this is his big monologue is that he was the Christian Satan and he there was a group of they they lived in like this mutant harmony place with two sects the the demon looking mutants and the angel looking mutants and Azazel was like fucking everybody or something he was doing bad shit and the angels banished him from this island so they're saying that this island dimension is actually yeah, yeah, is the literal hell that the angels banished him to, and that's where Christian mythology came from. So he's thousands of years old, and like he's what inspired the Bible. And he basically just, his plan is to trick people into summoning him, like tricking wizards to summoning him so he could come in and fuck them and make babies, and then when enough babies are made, he will summon them to the island and use all their teleporting powers to get back to his earth. Which is a crazy plan. Now, remember when he shows up with pirate ships in Jason X? <laughs> That's X-Men. way more fun. <laughs> no, I just think he just has these crazy plans where you're like, I'm going to go around, like, you know, fornicating with ladies to make babies to open a big portal. And then he was like, now I'm a pirate. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that a lot. That's really making me appreciate that arc more. What do you guys think of uh, this plan? The pirate plan or this plan? <laughs> the this plan. This, that's stupid. Uh, he's going for it. He's, he's put a lot of he's put a lot of work into this. He's very plan. patient. I'll say that. Okay, so you guys ready for issue five? Absolutely. Okay, so more Polaris stuff. Oh, I was wrong before. 
This is when it's revealed that Carter's with Havoc on the mission. Okay. So now Annie, Professor X, and Polaris find out for the first time that uh, Carter, her son, is actually in danger with the X Men. Yeah. Then, oh God, I hate this page. So they have saved Iceman's head, and he's still alive. But he's ice. But he's he's an ice head, and he can't speak. But Carter, the telepath, happens to be here, and he is translating Bobby's thoughts to the rest of the team. And he's saying, if there was just enough water in the area, he could reform his body. And Bobby's obviously in like a lot of pain and having a really hard go right now. And Havoc is really, really shitty to him. And he's like, you know, I drank an awful lot of water right before he got off the plane. I, I'm certain I could produce about a whole body's worth. He wants to pee on Iceman. He wants to just take a piss on the floor and let Iceman reform from it. But he says it really nasty for, like, no reason. I, I, I think he's planning he wants to piss on Iceman's head directly. Either way, why? Because hasn't Iceman been bitching for the majority of Is he jealous this? about, like, him and Polaris or something like that? Yeah, Iceman complains a lot, I think, in this arc. But still, he's, like, almost dead. And and Havoc's like, I'll piss all over you. Yeah, now he won't be dead, because he has water from his urine. Oh, yeah, so uh, that's what I thought. Basically, Carter's reading Iceman's mind, he's saying Iceman's thoughts, and basically, before Havoc uh, fucked Polaris, Iceman wanted to fuck Polaris, and then he's always been bitter about not getting Polaris. Uh, so, um... Not, not this even... is really soapy. Yeah, it's really soapy. Anything related to Polaris is pretty soapy in, this, in, in Austin's run. Oh, jeez. So, now we go back to the big dinner, and they just murdered somebody? I don't remember who. They, mur- they murdered the archaeologist, because the archaeologist is like, what the fuck's going on? And they're like, oh. shut the fuck up, you dumbass. Oh, and Azazel's like, you come into my house, and you fuck my 2,000 kids? And, and then they, later on, he's like, oops, I shouldn't have done that, but whatever. Yeah. Because like, he needed him for something, I forget what. Yeah. So... He's still giving more and more speech. This is when Nightcrawler finds out that he's the biblical Satan. He's not just, like, the Marvel Satan. He's actually the Christian Satan. And it's just so much monologue. Like, I don't remember any of this being really important. But Ryan was saying, oh, I'm just going to go really fast because there's so little dialogue compared to Kevin Smith books. But it is but, still so little. Yeah, but but it's still a lot compared to, like, most human beings can write. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wolverine keeps trying to fight Azazel, like, every three pages, and yeah. they calm him down, and then he just does it again. And I like how they, they call him, like, oh, you're an animal, you're a monster. And he, they're talking to Satan. I know, like, like Wolverine should be like, hey, you're fucking Satan. Stop being so fucking judgmental. yeah. So, more Azazel monologuing. This is when he's... he... He asks, like, Nightcrawler, join me, and we shall rule the galaxy as yeah. father and son. Like, why would Nightcrawler ever join him? He doesn't have, like, an argument. He just wants to say... He just wants to kill everybody. Like, yeah. he just... Like, it's not even like the humans have mistreated you. It's just like, I'm a demon, you're a demon. Let's go fuck shit up. By the way, when we said, like, Mystique was acting casual about, like, being teleported here, like, she's casual the entire time. Like, oh, like, she's, like, making she, jokes and she's stuff. She's like, she knew this the whole time. But, but, like, she got teleported to fucking hell, and, like, her ex-husband's here, and fucking... She actually sounds like a sitcom ex-wife, where she's like, get a load of this guy, he's monologuing again. <laughs> or, like, you think he's bad now, you should have known him back then. And it's like, <laughs> who, he's Satan! He's Satan, and you're like, yeah, what a what a, what a a wordy guy, right? <laughs> like, you're telling a fucking story about, like, one of the X-Men being the son of Satan, and this woman fucked Satan, and she's like a fucking sitcom. Yeah. And uh, this is also where he reveals that Abyss's teleport powers lead him to hell, and that when Nightcrawler teleports, he's going through Azazel's, like, dimension, so he's, like, been watching him his whole life. And then, even though he doesn't give an argument, Nightcrawler, like, seems to almost consider it, where he's like, 
No, I'd rather be home, but I, I feel myself be, be, beginning, but my body just trembles as if telling me I'm already where I'm trying to go. And he's like, yes, it's a feeling I know well. Like, why? Because the plot needs to have some tension, and if Nightcrawler... But wait, did anyone really think that Nightcrawler would side with Satan? Nightcrawler's like the most lawful good character that X-Men have. I should clarify, they want some tension without any actual effort at making it believable. I think that's fair. And then Polaris opens up Abyss's chest. So Polaris is now looking for Carter with Professor X and yeah. Annie. And she's basically saying, like, you know, Annie, you could just stay home. And Annie's like, this is my son. Like, I am committed to this. And she feels where the portal is. With magnetic powers. With her magnetic powers, because that's how rifts in space-time By work. the way, uh, magnetism, both Magneto and Polaris do the most bullshit thing with their magnet powers. Like, yeah. And it's a the last page of the issue is this bizarre page where it's Abyss, like his hands and legs like Rayman, yeah. like detached from his body while there's a big like black hole in his stomach with Polaris inside going, hey, what's going on in there? <laughs> and like they can see that it's somebody's body. Yeah. And they're like, what's what's what are you talking to Satan for? That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, that's the end of issue five. So now one more issue left. One more issue. How do you feel about it so far, Joe? That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. That's all you have to say. Defend it. Um. Aside from the Juggernaut story, okay, which we will definitely get to because it's actually great. It's okay. pretty good. What? What's fine about this? Uh, and I'm not like putting you on blast. I really like. I, I want a little more asshole. back and forth. Let's go. Let's go. I don't know. It's tough because I didn't get a chance to reread this before we recorded this episode, and I haven't read this in like two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Strong defense. <laughs> I can't. Um, I literally can't argue that. Okay. Before. All right. Here's the thing. I, I remember, don't remember what happens. Raves, Josiano. <laughs> no, I, I remember what happens, but like, you know, I. I found the Polaris parts to be engaging. They were. Um, okay, I, yeah, I'll give you I, that. I thought sure. the subplots were the strongest parts of the book. Absolutely. Um, it was nice to get backstory on Polaris um, about, like, why she's crazy, why she's so upset. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of looked at her wanting to get back with having her trying to get her life to go back to normal, like the way it was. Uh, back when things were good for her, when she yeah. was dating Havoc. Um, and I got that totally, and why she has this big mental breakdown, and why she's so angry at Annie from taking away like that last bit of normalcy from her life. Um, I like Xavier in the story. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, think he's handled, good, by the way. Yeah. He's handled really well in Chuck Austin's yeah. run. Um, I enjoy his characterization. This was a good time for Xavier. Yeah, it was. Um, right before things... This, I feel like... The, this era of X Men is Xavier's kind of last hurrah. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a, a good lot guy, of ways, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so I like the peeing on you line. <laughs> I kind of I laughed hysterically when I read that the first time. Uh, <laughs> Seeing Joe Raffle like oh, he, he's talking about pee pee. He's gonna he's gonna urinate to make him a new body. <laughs> I'm like, I, I Men, take the deal. You're just ahead right now. Hey, so I pay good more. money to get that same kind of treatment. <laughs> So basically, you're saying the not Draco parts of the Draco are great. It's not because I don't remember the the Draco. Draco well, it one. reminds me uh, a lot. No, no, they do. The mod. I remember him talking for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, the plot was kind of straightforward. Uh, we don't even know what kind of threat Azazel is, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is is he gonna come to Earth and then get like destroyed by the Avengers? Is he gonna fuck everyone on this planet? That's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. The only thing he's done that's really menacing is fuck bunch of women. Uh, in a sex positive world. That shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I don't know why we're <laughs> slut shaming him. If if <laughs> well, it's because he then abandoned his children. 
he's he a bad dad. He hits it and quits it and leaves him with children. Who knew Satan was a bad dad? Yeah. So, so I, I think what that reminds me of a lot of She Lies with Angels, though, where we felt like there was actually a lot of good character work, but yeah. the overall plot was stupid. Yeah. I feel like this has some good character work, but the overall plot is stupid. It's just, and this is kind of the combination or the combination of like a lot of his subplots, this arc. Um,. But yeah, I remember this ending, the actual story, uh, when it gets to this is going to end really abruptly. Yeah. Really, really abruptly. So after like three issues of monologue, we're up to issue six, yeah. the final issue. Now there is an artist shift, goes to Takeshi Miyazawa. Oh, by the way, we should yeah. mention, uh, Udon did the last coloring, it's some other studio this time. Uh, Avalon Studios. Yeah, so it's another uh, generic. No, Avalon has covered the whole thing. Colored yeah, I know, thing. but like, I mean, in general, this whole entire run was like pretty much like covered this is like an era where they were relying on just like studios generic we studios. talked about that a lot in yeah. uh, The She Lies of Angels I know issues I bring it up again two. no I'm saying like yes you yes. are correct <laughs> I agree so now we have we're back to Polaris oh how do you feel about this artist by the way I hate to hate this artist it's very like very very um anime style. I actually would style. like it a lot in a book like maybe like Runaways. I was about to say like it, um I, I should think say they do art. I think this person does art in Runaways. I think yeah. so too. That's why I thought about it. But uh, I do want to clarify. I, I I don't think the artist is terrible. I think he's a bad fit for this book, especially when you switch him from the previous artist. Yeah, it's Who's, a jarring. Change. It's a very cartoony stuff and very detailed style. Yeah, and to have the climax now go very cartoony. Yeah, is obviously takes away a lot of the tension. Yeah. It does help a few scenes where kind of goofier scenes where uh, something funny. They all happen. try to piss on each other. Yeah, the, the pissing scene was quite a, a <laughs> Yeah. So at this point, there it basically picks up exactly where we left off, where there, Professor X, Annie, and Polaris are opening up abyss. Are looking into abyss, and the abyss is staring back at them. Yeah, and Azazel is about to, I guess, jump through the portal and come to Earth, and Nightcrawler teleports in, grabs Abyss, and leaves, and Azazel feels betrayed. Why he feels betrayed, I don't really understand. The son he knew for fucking, like, five minutes. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, you lied to me on my island! You came into my house! And I served you dinner and threatened your friends. Yeah, it's bizarre. So, now, Azazel, they, like, just get away, I guess. Because yeah. it cuts to Azazel like trying to recoup his losses with Mystique, which I feel like if Azazel's Satan and he has Nightcrawler's powers, he should have been able to at least catch up to him. Yeah. But they're just gone. So and also all the X Men are in jail. When did that happen? That's that's uh, they, when they were talking in dinner for like five hours. Uh, Azazel's like, uh, take the Angel and the Animal and the Iceman. Oh, that's right. The and they have Husk. Like he yeah. kept asking, like, where's Husk or whatever, even though she like wasn't in the book at all. Like she, she was drawn, she, but she didn't say anything. She was like, she was like, she was like kept kept prisoner in one place, a different place for, for no reason. I forget why. Your princess is another castle. Yeah. Also, uh, this artist, I absolutely adore the way that they draw Jubilee and really want them on a Jubilee book. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, it's not bad art, but it's just a weird change. Yeah. So Angel's getting tortured and everyone else is in a cell. And this is when they all say they're all going to like piss on each other and yeah. that's how Bobby's going to reform. I think they all right, guys, so we're in a grand, so we're going to urinate on him. Yeah. I, I think they just say you could take our body water, but but since Havoc brought out the pissing, they never Yeah, fight. Havoc's like... Uh, I just want to piss on your face. But the Carter says Bobby wants me to tell you that he's ready to take some take water from your bodies to reform any water. So he's settling for piss, and and <laughs> so you're like right. we all do. 
All right, come on. You're you're gonna tell me that's a bad line and that's not hysterical. Yeah, this is this is. I think Chuck Austin's been reading my fanfics. <laughs> I don't want to get the fetishes too much, but do you think? No. No. Fly. No. Fly. No. All you talk about is imprints and fetishes. No. <laughs> this is my two things. This is used for laughs. It is not like yeah. Okay, I'll take it around now. Okay. Unless I, unless I, 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 I something you want to tell unless us. Unless I watch Steven Universe and they bring this up again, I'll take oh, your word on it. He's just a producer on that sly. Doesn't write. <laughs> exactly. He could do. He could do fucking mandates. Steven Universe. Water yes. Sports. More. More urine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So yeah, they're all like they all agree to pee on him, but then luckily the fortune teller lady who like could tell when people are lying comes in, and she goes to fight them. Unfortunately, it's like, they're not actually going to pee on you. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> and then Husk rips off her skin and has steel under her, so she's, yeah, she's steel-bodied. Yeah. And and this I don't understand. This woman's supposed to just be like a telepath. And Husk is steel, and also a competent fighter. And this woman just grabs Husk's face and just like goes to crush her, and Husk doesn't do shit about it. They never clearly outline anyone's powers. And then she somehow is like, she's super stretchy, because she punches Havoc from the other side of the room, and then kicks him, and her leg gets like really, really long, and I don't know where these powers are coming from. Yeah. She's single-handedly taking She's trying to Zazel, I think. Like, if Zazel puts up a threat in her. I guess. And she basically takes out like the whole team. Yeah. And then... Uh, I'd like to think this is a Kids in the Hall reference. He's crushing Carter's head, and he's like, she's crushing my head! And then, all of a sudden, she gets this weird face that, like, is kind of the dad-ass face again. She's just biting her lip, like, oh. And then all of a sudden, she just, like, crumbles to the ground, and her head falls off? Uh, Iceman sucks the water out of her. Yeah, Iceman sucks the water out of her. But, like, that is a horrible thing that he did. Like, yeah, he's saving her teammate and everything, but he dehydrates her so bad that her head falls off. That's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, he just murdered her. Yeah, and Iceman... She's a demon. Yeah, right. yeah. And Iceman stands up and he's like, don't worry, I got... Thanks for the offer, guys, but I found my water elsewhere. Like, thanks for almost peeing all over my, all over me. <laughs> but I got blood from this woman instead. Yeah, and they're all like, oh, Iceman, like, you super murdered her. That's crazy. <laughs> Not to mention, like, this is like Iceman being like, I'm like a god now. I can suck the blood out of... Oh, my enemies. Yeah. Yeah, we would like to invite them to turn. It's like, that could happen to any of you. Yeah. Any and, of you. And then it <laughs> cuts this to... This is my favorite scene. It cuts to Nightcrawler and Abyss trying to escape. And Nightcrawler is like, Abyss, how did you, like, why did you side with me? How? Why are you good? And it's because Nightcrawler made a joke about the Scarlet Witch that Abyss really liked. And, and now he's a good guy. Yeah. And also, Polaris is, like, using the... She's sticking her head through Abyss's body. And she's like, wow, you stick things through your body? That's really lame. You have a shitty power. Yeah. She comes out and she's like, the dimensional rips in your stomach? Man, what a lame power. And it's Abyss standing there with... Polaris's head sticking out, looking up. up at her, being like, "Your skull." Yeah, it's fuck hilarious. You. <laughs> I've ever seen. And it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and then Polaris tries to open the portal so much, and does Abyss? Because right now it's only her head. She wants to get her body in. Yeah, so she like tears open the portal like really, really big. And I thought Abyss died. Does he? Maybe, no, he comes. He back. comes back. So she rips open the portal, and it basically like kind of like starts to destroy the hell area. All the X Men escape. Annie makes out with Iceman, which I just realized. Given that Havoc was already mad at him about Polaris stuff, that's probably a bad idea. No, they, they got to fester more soapy stuff in this. So. Yeah, because... Now, now you have uh, Annie fucking Havoc, 
cheating on him with Iceman. Well, it's not that she cheats with him. Iceman's the one who brings back her son alive, so she kisses him. It's not like they fuck in the side. But I didn't know that. What kind of kiss is this? It's like mouth. It's ma- pretty open. It's mouth to mouth. Her her arms are around his neck. Okay. Her her hands are down his pants. Doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't have pants. He's an ice man. Yeah. But it basically, like, I didn't realize that. I assume that probably gets brought up in a later Chuck Austin arc. And then Havoc all pisses all over him or something. <laughs> and then the last one left on the island is Nightcrawler fighting Azazel. And he's like, I will find Abyss without you. And he has, like, him and Nightcrawler, like, are fighting to the death. And then Azazel falls into a pit that Kurt basically let him fall. Yeah. And smash cut to Nightcrawler just opening up to Professor X and saying, like, you're my true father, Azazel's Yeah, this is a nice line. I love. Also, he's wearing Steven Universe's t-shirt. Oh, my God, That's he a is. real thing. Nightcrawler is wearing the t-shirt that Steven Universe wears, which Chuck Austin's an executive producer on. Oh, that's cool. Which is like, and this was like a long time ago, right? Yeah. Wasn't this like 2001, 2002? Yeah, yeah. So what are you saying, Slay? But uh, there's a good line, because like, uh, Azazel was talking about all oh, the foolish notion of the angels, like being a good person and all this other shit. And uh, and Professor Rice is like, telling at the end, I'm sorry you lost your dad. And he's just like, yeah, he's my genetic dad, but like you, you fed me all this foolish notion of the angels, and that's what really mattered. You're my true father. And I thought that was a nice little sentiment. Yeah. And it definitely, I think it, it like draws a lot from the like Professor Xavier is their adopted father kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it is actually a pretty, you know, for the three panels that wrap up the story, I did not like very much. Yeah. It's a pretty effective, like, rela- shows the relationship between them very it, well. And also I mentioned, like, they do they do briefly uh, talk about, like, oh, even though Nightcrawler is a demon spawn, like, he's still a good person at heart. Yeah. Uh, but, and that's, that's the only time you touch Nature it. versus nurture kind yeah. of thing, that even if you come from a bad upbringing, yeah. you could still make something yourself. Yeah. Which is very related to the Juggernaut story. Yeah. So you want to catch yeah, us up? Sure. So uh, throughout all six issues, there's this theme, there's this arc of the Juggernaut that's prevalent in all six issues. And the reason why I'm going to keep it it's separate a, is because yeah. it's great. And yeah. it's also barely anything to do with the main plot. Yeah. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the... So tell us about the great part um, of this book, too. Okay. All right. So it opens up with uh, Kane. Um, I'll give it Kane befriends a student. Um, this happens before the, Draco. Yeah. Actually, the opening arc um, is Xavier going to get Sammy, who uh, is a boy. mutant. Yeah, he looks like a fish. And Kane has his friend, Black Tom, whose secondary mutation is going crazy. Um, Black Tom, uh, Kane calls the X-Men to help Black Tom. Uh, Black Tom goes crazy and pretty much tells Kane that a uh, he's dead to him. Uh, Kane falls in the water, and at the time, Juggernaut's powers are on a lull. So he can pretty much die. And Sammy goes, drives in the water to talk to Kane. He's like, listen, there's a guy up there. You know, I don't know much about him, but he, you know, he wants us to go live in a mansion. He seems really nice, and he, you know, I'm sure there's room on, like, you know, the jet for you, too. So, Kane goes with Sammy, and they wind up bonding. Uh, both come from uh, abused households. Uh, Sammy's dad would beat him a lot. Um, Kane also comes from an abused home. Uh, but they wind up bonding over that. Um, and there's, there's an arc where it's right after a ride at Xavier where pretty much the New York governor is like, the school's unsafe. Uh, plus, Xavier has been answering Sammy's mom's like requests regarding her son. So Alpha Flight, which is the Canadian super team, comes to pretty much remove all the children. Fight breaks out between the X-Men and Alpha Flight. Um, and Sammy goes back up to Canada. Yeah, and that uh, basically brings us up to the Draco, right? This does, um, pretty much. There's other stuff before that's like that's whole Sammy and Juggernaut's yeah. like arc, um, and 
Kane wants to go see Sammy. And Xavier's like, you're too dangerous. Like, you know, they have a restraining. You're loose cannon. Give me your badge. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, essentially, like, I don't think that's wise. And Kane's like, that's garbage. You know, let me go take an X plane. Um, And it kind of spirals down into their this whole conversation about Kane's abused childhood um, and his whole relationship with Xavier. And it's the first time where they really talk about growing up together. Yeah. And how Kane was kind of an asshole and he resented Xavier because Xavier would walk around in his mind. And also that Xavier never did anything to protect Kane from his abusive dad. And they have a really great back and forth where yeah. Professor Xavier is like, well, you were bigger and stronger than me. Why didn't you do anything with your gifts? Yeah. And it's, it's really cool because they both blamed themselves for the preference that Charles got. So like yeah. Charles was like, I always blamed myself, so I felt like I deserved the abuse I got. And... Uh, you know, Jargonaut says yeah. basically the same thing, and yeah. they kind of have this understanding that really this is one of the first. I've seen a couple little things, but this is one of the stories that best exemplified why I, I finally saw like, oh, I get why Joe loves Jargonaut so much. Like you've given me issues over <laughs> yeah. the time that I really liked, but this really got into the heart of it. No, this really is character well. defining stuff. This I is think, really for the good stuff, yeah. and it's also Kane realizing because he never knew that Xavier also got beat. Yeah. So it's kind of it's them kind of coming to a mutual like understanding with each other. It's mm-hmm. really really powerful stuff. Yeah. And for the record, during these scenes, Juggernaut is not in the big stupid condom head thing. The helmet? Yeah. You don't like the helmet? It's pretty silly. No, it's awesome. Fuck you, Ryan. Screw you. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Screw you. Are you kidding me? Okay, you're gonna tell me these scenes would be fine if he was in that big dopey helmet. They why would he be wearing? He's not fighting anyone. Yeah. I'm, just, that's, I'm saying like is that protecting his mind from. But I'm saying attacks, when we're talking yeah. about the Juggernaut, I want to make it clear like these are very personal, non-superhero yeah. scenes. You can say yeah, about any no, superhero. Every, any I super, agree. If you're fucking like how many emotional scenes does Iron Man have? Like no, with I the agree. Helmet on? I'm saying that like that is a strength that yeah. even though Chuck Austin has these like we talked about in She Lies with Angels these big stupid superhero things where there's big mech suits and everything he still does do the quiet out of costume moments very well. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. So but the, I didn't know you guys loved the Juggernaut costume so much. I, it's iconic. It's I great. Yeah, it's fucking iconic. I think yeah. it's really dopey. But that's whatever. It's not important. All right. So I think issue two is a uh, we see Sammy on his own, and it's him kind of back in Canada. Um, he's being bullied again. Beaten by his dad. Um, his dad's yelling and being a real piece of shit. This really, guy. yeah. Scum, like I think he accuses uh, his wife of cheating on him. Cheating on him because there's no way in hell he'd ever like have a mutant son. She, she like quietly says to herself like I wish I had, because yeah. like anyone would treat me better than him kind yeah. of thing. So issue three, um, I think is that Juggernaut and North Star in the plane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's North Star. By the way, is this a, scene is a little cringeworthy in yeah. my opinion. But uh, North Star is it, a gay X Man yeah. who's, who's super speed and flight. Yeah, yeah. So they have a conversation. And why did he go with him? Because because like he he can pilot the plane. And oh, he wasn't, okay. Yeah, and he wasn't being used at the time. Yeah. Um, they have an interesting scene. Um, it's a very honest scene for as Kane, someone who hasn't interacted with a lot of homosexuals, has a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Um, is the dialogue cringeworthy? Like, it's not the best. It's he's, very he's, atypical. He's basically like, why don't you just like girls? And like, it does. It would be easier if you like girls. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I understand what Chuck Austin's going for. And I actually do really appreciate the sentiment of having like, because that is, people say stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And Kane is always, always supposed to be kind of like a meat-headed guy. Yeah. So like, I, I really understand this, but it did get a little PSA for me. Yeah. Where it was almost like he was like, well, you see, 
Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it well, felt... Some people like different genders. Yeah, okay. like, it felt a little like that, but I do really appreciate what he went for. I think he does succeed. Yeah. I understand that, like, at the time, I think Northstar is really, like, one of the only gay characters yeah. in the yeah. comics. No, I, it's few, the yeah. same way. I've read lots of comics, yeah. like, especially in the, like, the early 90s when they talk about, like, you know, like, Pied Piper has some scenes with the Flash where it's like, okay. Yeah. And this is more nuanced than most of them, but yeah. there was still a little bit of that, like, Oh, no, totally, but, like... Feel. It, it was in four of also being a good character exchange between the yeah. two characters. Yeah. And I like that you had someone who didn't understand being like, yeah, understanding. Like, it was, yeah, and it, it was, was a nice. conversation yeah. we've all seen, like, where North Star points out the hypocrisy that, like, Juggernaut is trying to convince him why he's attractive. So he's like, I clean up nice. Like, well, how come you're not attracted to me? But he also doesn't want him to be attracted to him. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, it's it's a very, very true. The catch 22. Yeah, the catch, he, yeah. I think he calls it a catch 22 yeah. in the book. And he says like, you know, so you're like kind of a homophobe, but you would feel good if I was attracted to you. And even Juggernaut's like, I don't, I don't know, I guess. And like, that is a true thing. That I know a lot thing. of people like that who are like, yeah. I'll yeah. be flattered if you like me, but please but don't But ew. Like me. Yeah. 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 And it, it is, the more I think about it, the more it is a pretty, it, it is a pretty good scene. Yeah. Um, I think at the same issue, Sammy gets into a fight with the bullies. Yeah. They beat um, him up first, but then they beat him back. up and then he winds up fighting back. And this is one of my favorite scenes in the book is, um, prior during the, uh, Canada fight where Juggernaut's fighting, uh, Alpha Flight, uh, him and Sasquatch are brawling with each other. And it, it's so extreme that like they're both winded and Sasquatch is like, Give me a second, let me catch my breath. Um, and Kane's like, I stop for no one. I'm juggernaut. <laughs> and then, and barrels him through like a tree. Um, and then you have Sammy emulating that, which I thought was really powerful because that's something little kids do is yeah. they, they emulate their heroes. Yeah. And it's it, it shows the parallelism a lot where you always see the little kids like, I'm Superman or like, I'm Batman or like, I'm Captain America. But seeing a character that's more gray area, yeah. like Juggernaut, like at this point he's basically like an anti-hero kind of yeah. character, and seeing that Sammy, even though he was in the X-Men universe, related the most to Juggernaut because of the stuff you said at the beginning of the, the plot synopsis, yeah. like I think that that's a very effective way to show what Juggernaut means to this kid. It reminds me of the abused kid in Grounded, waiting for Superman to come, but now like it's so, it's to me but so But it's much, not Superman. It's not though. Superman. It's the Juggernaut. And yeah. that is like... Such a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kane gets there. Um, and it's funny because it's not... His dad's about to beat Sammy because Sammy comes back all bloodied and beaten up. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kane... Did he hit him earlier in the story? He did hit him earlier. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But like he's mostly beating the crap up from the bullies. So Kane gets to the doorstep and he sees that Sammy's just like this bloody, bruised mess. Before he sees him, though, both of his parents are like, you can't be here, you have to leave. And he's like, I'm just here to check up on Sammy. And then he sees him as the bloody, bruised mess. And does he he throw the dad through the house? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he goes th- crazy. Yeah, he throws the dad through the house, um, and who shows up but Alpha Flight? Well, the, the mom, mom calls them. Okay, she has like a Alpha like Flight. A, it looks this like is why you should let me read the book. You know what? I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> <laughs> fucking thick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Alpha Flight comes on the scene, and they wind up brawling and fighting, and they're destroying the house. It is like a full-on fight. superhero fight, and. Uh, Kane is relishing his in the fight, um, but he winds up stopping once he sees that Sammy is freaking out, and he's not... Well, not just that. His mom gets, like, really hurt. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Does she die? 
No, she doesn't die. Okay, so she, she gets, she's die. really fucked but up. But he thinks she's dead. Okay, can you can you go over that part so I don't sound like an idiot? Yeah. So I don't sound... The mom gets crushed by, like, a fucking building. The mom... The, the house, like, collapses on okay. the mom. And Sammy's like, Mom, Mom, Mom! And at this point, Alpha Flight is like, Come with us, Sammy. And he's like, No, Juggernaut would never hurt us. Yeah. Like, and they're like, Well, look what he did to your dad. And he's like, Yeah, but he would never hurt us. Yeah. Like, he mom. basically has this understand. He, like, tries to... Kane's his hero. Yeah. His he's basically not, saying, like, his No, my dad's yeah. the bad guy here. Yeah. Kane's the good guy. He's saving us. And it's, it's a very powerful moment. Yeah. And then... At this point, the dad is like totally decimated, and they're just destroying stuff and fighting for the sake of fighting. And Sammy, basically in front of his mom's body, is like, "Kane, please stop, yeah. please stop." And Juggernaut stops, but Alpha Flight keeps going. Yeah, and is beating the living daylights out of the Juggernaut. And now we're up to issue six. This yeah. is issue six. And uh, understand that Alpha Flight was also really embarrassed yeah. when they came to the X Men. Yeah. So Sasquatch is really out for blood. Yeah, he's really Kane, off. Yeah, yeah. Kane, so he's, he's like, problem. and I think, yeah, so they're like beating the shit out of him, and they're like, he's not even fighting back, stop. And they yeah. go so far, and Kane looks as bloodied and bruised as Sammy did with yeah. the bullies. And he, he looks kind of defeated inside, because I think he knows he let down Sammy. Yeah, yeah. That's, ex- yeah, yeah. that's exactly it. And I see the parallelism between Kane here and Sammy with the bullies. Yeah. Went before he stood up, but it's kind of a reverse, where he yeah. started by standing up, and now he sits back, he lays down, yeah. where it's the opposite of Sammy. Where Sammy stands up and knows he's in the right camp, yeah. stands up, and he winds up in the wrong. And to me, I took that as like a big metaphor for what they meant to each other, yeah. where Kane gives Sammy strength, and Sammy gives Kane humanity. Yeah. And like I thought it was done really masterfully this whole yeah. thing so that's there's this like gem hidden in this story uh there's a this gem hidden within chuck austin's entire run yeah where if you enjoy the juggernaut as a character uh want to see him evolve past like the uh the two-bit thug that he's kind of yeah. usually portrayed as and the person who's like i hate my stepbrother like there's a lot of really great character development yeah. for him and that's one thing i feel like we said the same thing about she lies with angels yeah. is people hype these as the worst X-Men stories ever written and like I think there's enough good in them that I would argue that it's I'm not saying it's necessarily worth it to read them but I would argue that the worst X-Men stories to me are just totally bland and boring and like there's a lot of stuff like I read in the 90s and stuff that like was just like nothing it was just like just fights or whatever and I would I personally get more enjoyment out of reading the dichotomous so good and so bad together than I do of just total bland popcorn boring fights. But that could be me. I don't know. One of my big things is I love ambition in stories. And Chuck Austin, he, like, he might not always succeed, but he's pretty ambitious with what he does with some of these characters. Yeah. Like, it might not always work, but he is trying to make a lot of them grow and develop in different ways. But he does try to give them some depth and try to tell their side of the story in, in many ways. And I appreciate that more than just telling a story where two people punch each other for like an issue. Yeah. yeah. And even though this was like a slog for me to get through, because the good parts are so spread out, yeah. and like I didn't enjoy when I was reading it, I have to give Chuck Austin some credit. He does not play it safe at all. No. Like, and I've read a lot of stories that are just like filler, but it's just filler for 20 issues or whatever. And like, even though I'm not going to recommend this book to anybody, aside from a Juggernaut fan, I... Have to I have to give him some credit. He tries. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like, I guess I'm biased because I did read some great Chuck Austin stuff from other books and stuff yeah, like I that. Love, like, I, I really love. liked his Exiles yeah. arc, his Ultimate X Men stuff. No, was really he's good. a good writer. Yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, he misses a lot in his Uncanny X Men run from the pieces I've read. There's every story I've read has had some good and some bad, and that's more than I can say about a lot of stories that are just there. Yeah. Yeah. So, we ended up coming out a little more. I think by ending with the Juggernauts uh, story, we were like, this is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but we, no, when you look at it as a whole, with the Juggernaut and the Polaris, I think, at least in my eyes, the, the good outweighed the bad. You said it was fine ultimately, right? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. I still think overall there's more bad than good in here, and I think the bad parts are so boring. and yeah. like So, I guess very mixed. You're very mixed. Qualified. Yeah. Over fine from Joe. It goes from good bad to bad bad. I mean, it goes from good good to bad bad in the same. Would you say bad bad to good good? Yeah, good bad to bad bad. (laughs) There are elements of bad bad bad. There are elements of so bad it's good. There's elements of so bad I want to die, and there's elements of this is really great in every issue. I agree. Cool. So we don't have any letters. Uh, Recommendations. So hold on, I gotta give the plugs. Okay. So tweeted us at device of issues. Facebook, deviceofissues.gmail.com. We've gotten some great reviews on iTunes lately, so write, review, subscribe. Wait, rate, review, subscribe. Which Don't write. Is... I guess write a review and write subscribe a review and rate us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tell all your friends. That's the best way we've grown is people have told their friends. <laughs> and I guess that's pretty much it. Cool. So, recommendations. Um, I'll go with next story in the line of this, Trial of the Juggernaut. Cool. cool. I think... Um, Follows up directly on Kane being taken into custody by Alpha Flight. Um, you get some follows up on Sammy um, and his mom. Uh, some cool stuff with Xavier as well. Um, What's the big selling point for the story? Uh, this is also the story where a uh, Juggernaut famously has sex with She-Hulk yes. on that wonderful double-page spread. Yes, that you am sure you've seen on the internet, <laughs> as seen on the internet. <laughs> cool. What about so, you, Sly? All right, so my recommendation, I did not realize this before. Uh, I, I I was actually wondering, like, who wrote that story that I really like? And I was, I looked it up, and it was Chuck Austin, actually. So another good example of Chuck Austin's good writing is in uh, the X-Men, the adaptation of X to X-Men United, written by Chuck Austin. I forgot who drew it. Uh, but um, in that story, there's a backup story, which tells Nightcrawler's origin before he got he gets brainwashed by Stryker in a movie, and it's about uh, Nightcrawler living with gypsies, and him crushing on, I think it was Amanda Sefton, I don't remember, but it was basically him crushing on his, one of his fellow gypsies. And, Who's actually his sister. <laughs> but, like, basically, and she and and she and he's like, I like you, and she's like, no, you're a fucking demon-looking monster. And basically, like, the story's about, like, Stryker kidnapping God, him. I'm getting flashbacks to middle school. That happened to me every day. <laughs> and basically, it's about Stryker Taking Nightcrawler spoilers if you saw the fucking movie, but like, um, and basically she's like, it came out like a decade ago. I think we're fine. Yeah, and basically she's like, wow, like he was like the nicest person I ever met, and and like the most human person I ever met, and just because he looked weird, I treat him like shit. So it's a fantasy story because that part second half never happened. Yeah, like the school dances. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's probably one of my favorite Nightcrawler stories of all time. That's awesome. Yeah. My recommendation, I was originally going to recommend Steven Universe, but everybody already knows how great that is. So I want to recommend a newer X-Men book that I feel like is similar in idea to Chuck Austin's run of like maybe a little more character-driven. Uh, Marjorie Liu's Astonishing X-Men, which is, I think, the most underrated X-Men book of all time. She did an absolutely amazing job 
and she actually told. Did you say she did an astonishing job. Yes, she did, and she told my favorite Iceman story. And her run is so good from beginning to end. And it has North Star in it too. And it has North Star in it. Yeah, it's where North Star gets married. Yeah. And I think like she kind of takes the same idea of taking a team of kind of unused X Men characters and telling a story with with them that's just to me like I was I was really really impressed with how great how great her run was and it's I'm still so sad that she doesn't have an X-Men book right now well she's gonna be writing Han Solo I know which is awesome oh that's so cool yeah, yeah. That's really cool. but uh, yeah so Marjorie Lou's Astonishing X-Men sweet alright well I've been Joe I've been Sly and I've been Ryan alright everyone uh, stay in continuity <laughs>